This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And it's in the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Hey, everybody. Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins. This is Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. It's an interview podcast, one of like a billion out there. But ours is different in that I interview the same guy every week, and I have a lot of fun doing it. I just pepper Justin with as many questions on the ducks as I possibly can. Uh, Let's start with this question, my friend. Your board is funny right now. You got people up in arms over this. Let's talk JTT, his recruitment, and if you can, try to talk people off the ledge with this one. What's going on? Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the same thing that's been going on. I mean, this is a, a young man that I think has gone back and forth with maybe being close to a decision a couple times. Uh, you know, and, and again, here we are. Uh, a, we're in an unprecedented time where he basically hasn't had the opportunity to take visits. Uh, I know he's taken a couple kind of off the cuff, go check out the campus type visits, but nothing, you know, where you, you get to go to a school and meet the coaching staff and and see their training rooms and, and talk to players and things like that. Uh, you know, even if you're doing an unofficial visit where you pay your own way, you know, you're still able to do those things in a normal year. You're not able to do those things this year. And, uh, you know, and everyone's well aware of that. But, you know, I, I, I think we find ourselves with, uh, you know, with one of the most sought after recruits in the country that just uh, isn't sure where he wants to go and is still taking his time and still just, I don't, I mean, honestly, just trying to navigate something that, you know, nobody's ever gone through before. So, um you know, it's it's semi strange because he's kind of, I guess, if you will, the only one doing it. But you know, to me, that doesn't make it wrong. It's his right. You know, he's trying to make the biggest decision of his life. Um, you know, I think he's struggling with it. I think, you know, I think there have been points in his recruitment where Ohio State's been the team to beat. I think there's been points in his recruitment where maybe that was Oregon, um, quite possibly even Alabama, um, and. You know, I say that people, oh, well, you're hedging your bets or you're, you know, covering your bases. And it's 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 not that. I mean, you, you read all the different analysts, you know, Brandon Huffman or, or Adam Gorney or Greg Biggins or, or whoever you like to read or whoever you trust. And honestly, everyone is saying something different. So does that mean we're all wrong or that that may, might be an actual accurate reflect reflection of his recruitment? You know, I think the family internally Uh, has some dynamic there. I think, you know, I I think quite possibly the parents might want one thing and he might want another. Um, And we've seen that before. Um, You never know with that dynamic how strong it is. Are the parents really, you know, uh, kind of, you know, pushing one direction or are they just kind of guiding and saying it's your choice, but here's what we want. You know, you just never know. And that's that's for them, obviously. But um, anyways, yeah, And I think that this thing's ramped up to about a 47 instead of a a seven uh, because it's, I mean, it's slow news week. It's, there's not much going on. I mean, we're very early in the process of the 2022 recruiting. This is a five star. It's the top guy in the country still on the board. And let's not, you know, minimize the fact that he's from the state of Washington and Oregon fans would get no greater joy than stealing a five-star right out of Jimmy Lake's backyard. So I think there's a lot of eyes on it. I think it's, uh, you know, I think emotions are running high with this recruitment. And and quite frankly, I know that there's going to be some that say, oh, J-Hop is wrong. And, you know, if he goes to Ohio State or J-Hop is wrong because he didn't commit in February. And, you know, quite frankly, we've heard a lot of stories about this kid for pretty much the last year. So I don't think anything is going to surprise me moving forward. <laughs> okay, so a couple of follow-ups here. First, for the folks like me that I I, I might read one page of the site, but I'm not diving in on all 10 on the thread. 
right. why the fervor for this young man? C- compare him to a Thibodeau or a Flo. W- w- when you say five star, like, like how good is he really? Well, I mean, I, I think there's a number of things here. First and foremost, uh, you know, something that Mario Cristobal's prioritized uh, just at a fundamental level is keeping the best talent out West as much as you can. You know, I mean, and that's a big deal, especially when it comes to linemen, not just defensive linemen, but offensive linemen too. It's, hey, let's keep as many of them as we can. Let's get them to Oregon. Let's keep them away from USC and Washington and, you know, basically hurt your competition while you make yourself better. Um, and, and, you know, JT Tuomalo does a ton of things, man. This is a guy that's just a tremendous athlete. And I think just, I, I don't want to call him raw. That's not fair, but I think there's still so much untapped potential there that, you know, you're looking at a kid that, you know, hovers around six, five, you know, maybe six, six, 280 pounds, maybe up to 300 pounds. There's video of him catching footballs as a, as kind of a, a jumbo tight end and seven on seven. He just, you know, he just moves differently. He's built differently. And, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, these are the types of guys that you really, really hate to see get away. And, you know, let's make no mistake about it. This is a statement, you know, for, for Mario Cristobal. It was a statement to get Justin Flo, you know, to come up to Oregon uh, last year. You know, as a statement to get Kayvon Thibodeau out of, you know, uh, Clay Helton's backyard out of Los Angeles to Oregon. It's a statement to get JT Tuomalo to Oregon this year, and and I think it's the, I think it's the only statement left to make for Mario Cristobal. He's built such a tremendous recruiting class, so many great pieces, and you know I think JT Tuomalo is the only thing that's left that really I, I don't know just makes it almost like you know double cherries on top of the Sunday. It's not cherry. It's not a cherry. There's already a cherry there with the recruiting class, but it would be like an extra cherry. Yeah. Well, are there fire trucks going on outside your house or something crazy like that? No, I'm outside. There's an airplane. Uh, I don't know where he's. I don't know where he's going. He's fine. It's it's absolutely gorgeous down here today. There's there's an I there's might be three clouds in the sky. I'm standing outside in a sweatshirt, but I could almost take it off. That's a it's an amazing day down here in the Rogue Valley today. So I figured I'd do this outside. But I do live somewhat close to the airport, and looks like we got. I can't even see him. I don't even know where he is, but he's out here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It, it cracks me up. Uh, my, my best friend from high school growing up, uh, his folks live on the Medford side of that route. So I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, <laughs> uh, back to the topic at hand, JTT. I'm amazed by the reaction that you got from Scoop Duck readers. And you pointed it out. Hey, it's a, a very slow point of the year, and it's a very big fish in a small pond right now, the, the, the yeah. biggest, best guy in that 21 class right before everybody really starts to focus on 22. Um, have you ever had, in, in your experience covering recruiting at Oregon, have you ever had a story like this where it's just massive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This happens every year. And, you know, the readers that, that say, oh, you know, uh, you know, that say it's not that say that that's not true. I mean, that's, you know, you know who you are. I mean, you, you, you know, some folks hang on every word when it comes to the five stars, you know, everybody did with Kayvon Thibodeau, everybody did with Justin Flo. And then, you know, honestly, with Justin Flo, we've had continued stories, even after he signed, oh, USC still trying to get him. And there's, you know, I mean, there's, that's just the nature of this business. It's the nature of what I do. And you know, as well as anybody that I right. put an emphasis on recruiting. And I mean, you know, you and I both know it'd be one thing to be a newscaster where we get on and read a teleprompter and there's 10 facts that you're reading off and, and statistics and numbers and that's all you're doing, you know, and that that's not what we're doing here. I mean, this is, you know, this is 17, 18 year olds trying to make up their minds. News is fluid. Their decisions are fluid. Just everything changes on a whim. And uh, I mean, it's got it's got to be so hard. I mean, imagine if you're JT Tuomalo and, you know, basically right now, as far as what we know. He's having more than likely daily conversations with Mario Cristobal, with Nick Saban, with Ryan Day, with Clay Helton, probably regular conversations with those guys every day of the week. And, you know, all of those guys are obviously making their pitch. And I mean, it's a I'm sure, it's you know, the family considers it a blessing, but that's a lot of pressure. I mean, I know, 
you know, you know, as well as I do, you talk to a good car salesman, you leave there and it's like, man, I'm definitely going to buy that car. You go talk to another good car salesman, a different mm-hmm. brand. It's like, man, maybe I really need to buy that car. I mean, if you're, <laughs> if you're good at your job and you're good at what you do, you know, you're selling your program. And, and I imagine those, those four schools, I think those are the, really the four schools left in it. I'm not so sure that USC is all that involved, but you know, those are the three or four schools and he's having those conversations regularly, regularly. It's got to be uh, incredibly difficult. Not to mention, we just have such a spotlight now on on this, you know, with social media and the way kids self-report offers and different things. It's just, I don't know, it's just different. It's different than it was three years ago. It'll be different in three years from now. And that's just kind of where we are today. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, let me pull up some uh, podcast questions that you gathered on the site. Uh, okay. Duck in Enemy Waters asks, are we, Oregon, done with recruiting or personnel department hires uh good question and uh, i assume enemy waters means you lives in lives in seattle potentially lives in <laughs> los angeles i get but uh uh no i mean there's going to be some more uh support personnel added um you know if you're looking for for titles or any of that kind of stuff i don't really have it it's kind of a i don't want to say it's a fluid subject but it is a little bit but um there will be some more support staff hired um you know there was a lot of turnover in the recruiting department this year some of it you know i think is due to the grind of that job some of it was other opportunities presented themselves um you know as of this moment cooper patanga who left you know was the director of football recruiting i don't know that he's landed anywhere in particular he might just be doing something else so i mean you know, and let's face it, Oregon recruited at such a high level. Those guys are coveted. They want, you know, they want the, they want the, the recipe book. They want to know what Mario Cristobal is doing. So the best way to do that is to go and get the guys that have been working for him and say, hey, you know, how's he doing this? What's going on? What, you know, what are the secrets? So, uh, I, you know, I, I think, I think fans need to buckle up. That recruiting department's going to face a lot of consistent turnover, uh, quite possibly more than, than a lot of other departments just due to, you know, the success of recruiting at Oregon and what Mario Cristobal has been able to do. Yeah. Um, another good question. This one kind of ties back into that JTT topic we let off with. Midwest Duck 12 asks, if JTT doesn't join the flock by committing to Oregon, do you think mm-hmm. Oregon did enough on the defensive line in previous cycles to move forward and be effective? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I believe that I am usually pretty fair and honest when it comes to evaluations of things or analyzing. Oregon's got tremendous talent on the defensive line right now. Quite frankly, uh, you know, I, I, I you got to understand how I'm about to say what I'm going to say here. Quite frankly, if I was just looking at everything evenly, clean slate, I would say Oregon needs more of a true nose tackle then they need a defensive end. And that's what Tumalo is. He won't be a nose tackle. He'll be an edge player. Now, of course, Tumalo, five-star elite athlete, you know, all the things that come with it, you're taking him no, no, you know, no two ways about it. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay that at all. Um, but I mean, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I think this is just really icing on the cake. I think Oregon, if anything, could use a, a nose tackle as opposed to an edge guy, but you know, you're not going to turn away. JT Tuamala for any reason. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're in good shape. But, again, it, <laughs> it doesn't hurt to be even better when it comes to at least the, uh, the line of scrimmage. Yeah. No, I, I am uh, I'm fascinated by that because you, you just say, hey, point blank, the Ducks have edge guys. They got Kayvon Thibodeau. They've got guys that can rush the passer. They need that hog in the middle, kind of like what Fat Mac Jordan Scott was for years. How do you go find that guy? Uh, it's not easy. It's, it's really not easy. I mean, you know, uh, you know, just for a perfect example, you know, a guy that was, uh, really an interesting recruitment, you know, victory vodka, uh, you know, kind of fits that profile. He's a six, two, six, three guy, you know, 300 plus pounds, um, you know, basically really tried to commit to Oregon a number of times, ended up committing to Texas A&M, didn't sign with them. Um, just had a really, you know, that's that body type that fits that profile, but obviously the ducks just weren't sold that, you know, that, that, you know, that it was there and he was a four star, you know, top 300 player. 
And I, I think that's the hard part. You know, you really got to dig into the tape and you really got to look. And, you know, we've seen Oregon, uh, if you will, prioritize the kids from back east that, you know, maybe fit that edge or fit that defensive line profile um, and, and taken guys that are, you know, maybe only a three star or a low four star and prioritize them from over guys out west. Not often, but it but it happened there and it, and it happens. So. Uh, you know, the other thing we got to keep in mind right now is that Oregon's obviously got a new defensive coordinator that's just coming in uh, to the program. Uh, will he change things drastically? No. Will things be different? Yes, that's fair to say. It's a different DC. Mm-hmm. It's going to do it his way. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of transition there of, okay, you know, uh, what type, what body types do you you know need or prefer for your defense that we don't have here? And do we have too many body types of guys that you might you know not really utilize and so i think that's really kind of the the transition that you're going to have now weren't really able to do that with the 2021 class because andy avalos was here for for all of it and then tim deruder came in after so i think you'll see a little bit of different you know subtle changes there in 2022 how they recruit certain positions in particular on defense and the defensive line to fit coach deruder's defense and what we'll see at oregon which i what I presume to be for the next few years, because Ruder doesn't strike me as a guy that's, you know, one and done or looking, you know, looking to get to that next destination. This mm-hmm. feels like a guy that could hang around for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about, he has experience in other power five programs and has experience out West. He, he doesn't strike me as a guy, you know, climbing up the rungs every two years, moving up the ladder, looking for an NFL gig someday. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the key here and something, you know, that I've talked about a little bit is this, you know, flocking of coaches, college coaches into the NFL. You know, Tim DeRuder comes off to me and I, I need to be careful how I say this. I don't want people to take it the wrong way. He's not a bad recruiter. He's just not an especially strong recruiter, which is not a good or bad thing. Oftentimes, you're not relying on your on your coordinators to be strong recruiters. I think what will be asked of Coach DeRuder will be like, hey you know, pick two or three guys, you know, make them your guys and then help out with another half dozen guys with coach Wilson and, and coach chance and just kind of, you know, keep, keep communication with them. I think as long as you're keeping his recruiting workload in check, I think you got a guy that's very happy to remain a defensive coordinator in college football for a long time. Yeah. Uh, talking with, uh, well, you know, I'm talking with Justin Hopkins. I don't know why I just did that. It's like my brain wants me to think i'm interviewing you on the radio um <laughs> let's get let's get back to some of these other questions here uh funny one here quack rock asks so oregon has two scholarships left for 2021 if the ducks miss out on jtt uh henry t that's uh, henry Tooto, or even both do you think they just roll those two scholarships into next year since the 22 class is going to be a little bit smaller to begin with um yeah i mean good question impossible to answer i I still think uh as active as the graduate uh, excuse me the transfer portal has been i i still don't think we've seen the top number yet i think a lot of you know individuals will enter their spring uh you know camps here and kind of see how the depth chart plays out or see how some coaching changes play out or, or or some of these other factors that you know basically nobody started uh spring ball yet so, you know, I think in the coming months, there still can be some, you know, tremendous names that potentially hit the portal. And there's nothing uh, negative about having, you know, room for those guys and the ability to recruit them. I mean, you almost uh, this isn't a bad scenario, but you're almost in a, a, you know, the worst case scenario right now is that Oregon lands both those uh, individuals and has no more scholarships left. You know, there could be some really great names that hit the portal. You can't, you can't sign them. You can't go, you can't recruit them. So, um, you know, if that's your worst case scenario, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I, 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 again, I mean, if we're being honest, if I'm analyzing things fairly, does Oregon really truly need another linebacker? No, probably not. They really don't. They're pretty set at the position. Noah Sewell was terrific in his first year. You know, Justin Flo will get back into things and, and get out there. Uh, Jackson LaDuke. I mean, they've got some really good linebackers there now, but you're also not turning away a guy like Henry Toto. So, um, you know, again, maybe uh, 
maybe there's a tight end or maybe there might be an offensive lineman or maybe there's a safety. It's a transfer portal in a month and you could possibly be in a position like, man, wish we had a spot for that guy. But, uh, you know, if you land both of those, you don't. Who do you think is going to be available? Like, maybe you don't have to go like specific into a bunch of names, but I know in years past we've always had a a few um, incoming freshmen that they get on campus wherever they go. And they realize, you know, this isn't for me. Or, or I think about like the Chris Steele situation at Florida um, a couple of years ago, where he goes across the country, and some some things in his life and in his family influence a decision to go back home. Do you think it's going to be a, a lot of players like that, or are are you thinking, you know, there are some some more vested, more veteran guys that might jump on the portal? Uh, I mean, there's, you know, again, that's something where, you know, I make a prediction and it could be totally different in about two hours from we, when we end this podcast. You know, uh, for me, uh, the, the two instant that come to my mind are, like you said, the recruits that sign with a school cross country, you know, maybe enroll early, get there and realize this wasn't, you know, this was a mistake. I shouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm homesick. I, you know, this isn't, I, I didn't take any visits. I didn't, I didn't even get to meet this staff till just now and I hate them, you know, whatever. The, that's one. Uh, the second is you're going to look at where there was coaching change, you know, so you're going to look at Tennessee, you're going to look at Texas, you're going to look at those schools and say, okay, you got a new coach there, all new, you know, assistant coaches for the most part, new coordinators, you know, some of those guys just aren't going to fit what they're going to try and do. And, you know, uh, you know, you might have a quarterback that says, man, I don't, I, you know, I don't play in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, you know, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's just an example. Um, you know, th- that's what I'm. That's what I'm looking at, and I think you'll see some shakeout this spring, um, more than likely from both 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 of those scenarios. Uh, jumping back on one of the good questions on the Scoop Duck boards, uh, BK Ears asks: Is the Sark effect taking over Texas a, a real threat to poaching West Coast talent, or is it another instance where the new it coach is trying to make waves and things will smooth out to normal soon? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the, with the latter part of that statement. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's Steve Sarkeesian. He's a great recruiter. I mean, there's no doubt he does have ties to the West Coast for being at USC, for being at Washington. Uh, it's the it thing. Everybody's talking about it. Steve Sarkeesian. He hired a great staff, getting Kwiatkowski down there, getting Terry Joseph. He did some tremendous things with that coaching staff. Uh, yeah, they got a lot of buzz right now. There's no... No doubt about it. Let's face facts. That's Texas, man. You know, that's uh, that's Austin. That's a terrific college town. Uh, you know, you got a huge university, huge alumni base. I mean, that's I mean, it's freaking Texas. It's one of the top five jobs in the country. And uh, yeah, they're the it team right now. Um, I think that'll level out. I think you're going to just like I believe Oregon's going to have a tough time hanging on to the four star safety that just committed and Landon Hullaby last week. You know, they'll, they're going to have a tough time, uh, you know, with. I mean, they got Malik Murphy. Uh, you know, I could see that one just because of the success he's had with quarterbacks at, at Alabama. Uh, you know, five-star quarterback out of California. But you know, if he keeps going after more, uh, you got you got two you got two problems there. A, you got to hold on to him and get them to Texas by way of California. And there's you know, last time I checked, there's still eight months before the first signing day. That's a lot of time. Uh, that's a lot of work. Uh, secondly, uh, how many? kids in your own backyard because let's be real the the university of texas should never have to recruit out of the state of texas if they didn't want to they could sign a team a a a roster of 25 kids from it's within its own state every year and they'd all be four four star higher filling positions of need there's just that much talent in texas so you know every time you're taking a kid from california or arizona or washington or wherever you want to plant your flag in you know, you're overlooking someone in within your own state. And, uh, you know, you know, for me, I've seen that mistake play out over and over uh, at several stops, you know, at, at Al Golden at Miami, you know, that hurt him uh, a while back. You know, that's hurt. That's hurt Washington in the past with previous coaches. It's hurt USC in the past. Uh, honestly, it's something Clay Helton didn't do well initially. It was, you know, going too too national too much and hurt yourself with the local homegrown talent. So, um, you know, it, it's a fine line there. And I, I, I think Steve Sarkeesian, who has been a head coach previously, you know, might need to kind of 
remind himself of that very important element to, uh, you know, just to recruiting and, and how far you want to cast your net, and how many guys you want to go after. Because, you know, I'll say this just from an Oregon standpoint, it is admittedly probably, you know, you, if, if somebody asked Mario Cristobal this in a press conference or on the podcast or whatever, hey, how hard is it to hold on to a kid from Portland, Oregon versus a kid from Miami, Florida? I mean, he's going to tell you it's exponentially harder to keep that kid from Miami, Florida. It just is. And that's, you know, same thing at, at Texas. If you're in Austin, right. Texas, and you're pulling kids out of L.A., it's exponentially harder to keep that kid out of Los Angeles committed, you know, when mom and dad get down to the nitty gritty and say, oh, we might miss you. We're not going to get to see your games. We're not going to see you as much, you know, and, you know, he could stay closer to home. So uh, those things have come into play. Uh, but as I've said many times in Bears repeating, Nothing about this year has been normal. I mean, kids aren't taking visits. Personally, I'm very afraid of all these early commitments, whether for Oregon or for other teams. Uh, you know, I, I think, again, we'll be at a record number for decommitments or flips later on the cycle. Because at some point, it certainly seems as though we're trending as a, as a society, as America goes, that visits are going to be allowed to take place at some point. Maybe not right now. You know, maybe not till June. But it certainly seems that we're trending that direction. And I think with the, once those visits get going, uh, yeah, things are going to be wild. See, it's, it's interesting that you say that. Um, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Something that Oregon has done really well, and, and I'll even give credit to uh, the other guys in Corvallis. I'll just leave it there so we don't get any uh, you know, reservations about who my team is. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've seen college staffs recruit a lot harder over the internet now where yeah like like we've talked about this before oregon coaches will you know pick up a cell phone and and put up zoom and show a kid the whole campus on zoom uh the oregon state coaches they, they warm up a little bit more to twitter than they used to like i see jonathan smith tweet things out and i, I don't know Personally, he used to hate doing that. I, I wonder, even when we get real recruiting back and, like, real visits on campus, I, I think that the digital stuff is going to stay. Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to reverse that stuff, uh, you know, regardless of what situation. But I think that's being utilized now um, even more because, you know, one of the things that really helps sell a program is the fan support or the fan excitement. And obviously when you don't have games, you don't have fans at games, you can't sell that experience. You can't sell, you know, you, you know, one of the big things that Oregon has really pride, prided itself on and sold big on was the spring game and the attendance at the spring game, which is obviously second to none within the PAC 12 conference. And, you know, it's one of the better uh, attended spring games uh, around the nation. And, you know, that is like, hey, look at our fans. They're excited about you guys. They're here. They're going to show up. They're going to cheer for you. You know, and that's, you know, so right now that's all been replaced with with digital excitement, if you will. You know, hey, getting more edits out there on Twitter for all the Duck fans to retweet and say, hey, come to Oregon. You know what I mean? That's what they've had to replace it with. And I think, you know, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State and others have recognized, hey, look, you know, we got to We got to cultivate fan excitement some way. There's really. Uh, you know, obviously one way to do that right now with, with no contact, no fans at games. And I think that's what uh, coaches have turned to. Yeah. Really interesting stuff. Um, back to that, that Sark conversation, because there's another point I would love to, to talk with you about. You talk about how USC has made that mistake in years past, recruiting outside of a hotbed in SoCal. Uh, Al Golden, when he was at Miami, made that mistake. I think the two, you could argue, the two most dominant teams of the last 40 years in college football, you know, those Miami teams, the, the 80s U with Jimmy Johnson and that early 2000s U, they barely had to leave their backyard. That should be the right. way it's done. Yeah. I mean, those those kids down there in, in South Florida, they're a different breed. And, and again, if you're Miami, you know, if, if you're the university – you know, 85% of your recruiting should be from Jacksonville South, you know, and you shouldn't even need to venture up the road all that much to Jacksonville. Right. And, uh, you know, so yeah. So yeah, to your, to your credit. And, and I think there's something to be said, you know, 
if you go back and you look at some of the great players to play at, at, at the University of Oregon, some of the football players, they've been, you know, middle of the road three stars or maybe a, a low four star or a high three star. There is a different, and this applies to everyone, there is a different sense of pride for playing for the in-state school. You can't quantify it. You can't, you, you can't even explain it. There just is, you know, so you get these kids, you know, they're, they're going to be closer to home. They're going to be have more positive reinforcement. They grew up watching Oregon play or USC play. It just means that much more to them. They're going to train harder in practice. They're going to, you know, uh, you know, they're going to push themselves in the classroom. They're going to do all those little things instead of being focused on, man, I miss home. I wish I could get this meal or I wish I could see mom and, and then kind of maybe drag in their feet a little bit. I just think that you get those types of kids and they play with a little bit more of a sense of pride a little bit more of a sense of urgency. I think we've seen that for Oregon uh, with a number of times, you know, Brady Breeze comes to mind, uh, you know, just a number of guys that have stayed in state. I, I, I mean, I guess we could say Justin Herbert, if you wanted to, they just play with a chip on their shoulder with an edge. And I think if you're Miami, go, go get those kids that grew up watching the U man, their dad grew up flashing the U and watching, you know, some of the greats come through that defense and, and win championships. And if you're, you know, a kid from LA, you know, going to USC means a lot. Your dad grew up obviously wearing a USC jersey, you know, Reggie Bush, all the all the great years, all the, you know, the Pete Carroll years that they're, uh, you know, removed from at this point. Uh, it, it still means something. So, uh, again, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I, I think uh, not overlooking your recruiting footprint is uh, is very important and can also be a huge detriment to a head coach getting a start at a at a at a major college program. OK. All right, I feel like we've we've covered pretty much every base on football that I wanted to cover. Uh, still a lot of time to, to dive into the weeds on spring ball. We'll do that in future pods. Uh, is there anything else you want to break down? Uh, not from a football standpoint. I mean, I think that's, you know, I mean, Oregon, uh, you know, got to commit uh, this past weekend. Uh, Saturday, I believe it was, and Landon Hullaby kind of out of nowhere. You know, everybody thought he was going to Texas to play with his, with his older brother. Um, but you know, that's a four-star safety. That's a good looking kid. That's, that, that's a really nice get for this, uh, coaching staff early on, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, let's not, uh, diddle around here. That's going to be tough to hold on to. You know, there's no doubt Steve Sarkeesian and others are going to continue to recruit him. Hey, you can hear my dog being a moron. Um, Lizzie. It's all good, man. Yeah, that's well. You're getting the Hopkins Ranch. I I wish I had a dog at my house. I got these two annoying cats, and and no offense to the cat lovers out there, because I'm a cat lover too, but I don't love my cats when they're hungry. They just turn right. into just crackheads. It's it's unreasonable. Well, I got two Great Danes, and they're you know they're 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 outside. It's a beautiful day, and they're running around. A car just drove by, so obviously the one's going to go nuts. And we have two cats, but they uh, actually they're outside too. They're out. I, I don't know. I would say they're out hunting mice, but they're not that talented. So right. who knows? Who knows what they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> hunting yeah, sunshine. but uh, but but yeah. I mean, Oregon picked up a great commitment there, but you know, I'm I you know I'm not gonna I I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. You know, that one's gonna be tough to hang on to because here we are in February. His older brother plays at Texas. Uh, you know, who knows what happens if Texas starts playing good football this this fall? Uh, Steve Sarkeesian takes them, uh, you know, the right direction. Uh, you know, that one's going to be tough to hang on to. But, you know, another big positive piece of news, and and certainly Oregon's trending the right way for a lot of the top targets. I, I do believe, as my final note here, I do believe Oregon as a whole is going to, you know, be able to recruit the West Coast very heavy this year and really lean on being able to take guys, you know, from the Western footprint and, 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 and you know, possibly filling up a good portion of this class. They are not going to overlook national guys they're still going to take some chances here and there but again you know circling back to what i said earlier it's a whole lot easier to recruit and hang on to those guys from your area from your general area than it is those kids back east and i, I think oregon's really hoping to cap capitalize on on some really good talent out west this year right on let's talk basketball let's play some basketball okay so i have to admit I had a radio show last night. I hyped up these Oregon men. I, I said they look like a real threat come tournament time. And it was then, your fault. Yeah. I know. It's my you fault. You did it. I'm, I'm holding up. It. I jinxed them. So, so my question for you, how often do you jinx the Ducks? Uh, you know, I, 
I guess that I, I guess this way, I think I've been fairly fortunate uh, that outside of football, I haven't had to be super involved because, you know, uh, Jacob Archer and Max Torres and Kirby Hammer and those guys, you know, uh, they're students at the University of Oregon. They're jazzed to cover basketball. And, uh, you know, there is limited seating at the games for media, but they've been able to go to some, which I know they've been super excited about. Uh, so, you know, for me, I don't feel like I've done a ton of jinxing on the men's and women's basketball teams, at least not this season and definitely not last year. How about football? Um, yeah, I don't know. Football, you know, it. I guess it maybe it feels, you know, I think I picked the Ducks to win every game this year. Uh, you know, that's a that's a really that's a double edged sword there, man. You pick, you pick them to win every game and they lose and you're the potential jinx. But, you know, if you pick them to lose and they win, then you're, you know, your name is mud. So, you know, uh, us media guys can't win on that front, but uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you feel like you're the jinx, but then you kind of go back and look at it and it's like, Hey, yeah, they lost the game. That was a clear trap game. How the heck did I miss it? Or, you know, whatever the case might be. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've jinxed it a few times. You know, I'll start wearing my underwear for more consecutive days or something like that if it helps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I went into last night thinking Oregon was the better team and Oregon was going to win because I loved what I yeah. saw from them this weekend. How did you? Well, feel? they were playing. I mean, I'm with you. They were playing good ball. You know what I mean? So you're, you're kind of looking like, hey, they, you know, they're playing good ball. They're coming together. They're healthy. You know, they should be able to beat USC. And then, I, you know, I don't know, you get, what was it, 15 to 1 or whatever they got behind. It right. was like, well. Brutal. Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some nights you just have a bad night. But I, 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 I was so impressed with what I saw in the Utah game that preceded it. Yeah. Where in years past – Dana Altman has a style. They like to pressure. They like to force turnovers. And they'll jumpstart their offense with some easy transition and and fast break opportunities. And Utah said, we're not letting you have that. And they played really patient on offense. And they slowed it down with a lot of zone on defense to force patience out of Oregon. And the Ducks found a way to win despite that. I, I thought... If they had the the mental strength to win a game like that, a real war against Utah, I thought USC was going to be no problem. So I was really shocked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we were all shocked. I mean, kind of, you know, just based on what we'd been seeing, and you know, the way they would they've been playing basketball, and Eric Williams coming back, and you know, Will Richardson working his way back in, and all these things, and it's like, oh, you know, and and that happens. I mean, guess that's, that's basketball for you. I mean, you know, to their credit, USC wasn't really a strong three-point shooting team and and they started out lights out you know and they put their uh they put their foot on the gas and and never never let up and you know i I do credit oregon for fighting back in the second half i think they got it within about 11 or so later in the second half and so you know you start oh they're clawing their way back into it but uh you know that that big push to even you know uh, to to narrow the gap that close it looked like it tired them out they just you know they were they were they, they were pooped out in the last three or four minutes and USC finished it off. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll say this because as in, as in life, there are in sports, every, you know, every time you lose, there's a, you know, there's a learning, uh, you know, there's something to learn there. And I think, you know, hopefully maybe they were riding a little high, you know, a couple game winning streak, beating some good teams and USC thumped them, you know, Dana Altman's for sure going to, you know, because they got an important stretch coming up here next week. You know, they got three three key games to finish out this regular season. So I'm sure, you know, Dana Altman will use that as some motivation to finish the season uh, strongly and go into, you know, go into the, the conference tournament, hopefully playing good, consistent basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is really an opportunity for, for these guys to wake up. And, you know, Coach Altman has said before that, that his team can learn more from a loss than a win because it can it can keep them in check and keep them humble and I think this is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Bring bring them bring them back down to earth a little bit, and uh, you know, really, you can you can lose that game and still be, uh, you know, in pretty good shape. I think the the Ducks are fighting for somewhere between the 
the, the second, third or fourth spot in the conference. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty good spot for them to be, you know, all things considered and the way things started out. So, um, again, I, you know, I mean, it's been a weird season. I know they had a huge stretch there where they didn't play many games, but if they can get all these games in that they're playing right now under their belt, you know, maybe this is a team that makes some tournament noise. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I go back to that Utah game, um, Oregon has a style. Oregon has a preference. They want to force turnovers and they want to run, and that's been the reality for years under Dana, and I think it's winning basketball. But what makes this team different is they don't have to run. They don't have to right. win just that way, and and that makes a really good tournament team to me because they can't yeah. be pigeonholed into a bad matchup. Yeah, they're versatile. They have... You know, they have a little bit more length than we traditionally see overall. You know, usually Oregon just kind of plays with one big man uh, and then maybe like a four or power forward that's, you know, maybe longer, but but still kind of slender. You know, that Chris Boucher body type is what I'm talking about. And, you know, you can see they're 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 thicker. Uh, you know, they're a little more physical. You know, maybe they don't have that, you know, seven one, seven four type guy there, but they've got plenty of size. And then, like you said, they got a lot of speed and ability out there in the perimeter. Um, you know, I think it's going to come down to some consistent three point shooting and and just, uh, you know, I, I you know I, I think they need to play just a, a, a little better defense and keep cleaning the glass really well. I mean, those are obviously you know huge parts of of stuff that you'll hear from Dana Altman. But uh, again, this isn't like a team where we're sitting here going, oh man, they need you know, a, a drastic change or to ho- overhaul everything. If they can just clean up a couple things, you know, this is a, a really dangerous team. Yeah. Um, so pretty optimistic still about the Oregon men. How do you feel about the Oregon women after what happened to them last weekend? You know, I mean, young team, uh, you know, did, did, uh, did we all have too high expectations because of what, you know, we've seen for the last two to three years, three to four years, you know, with a team that basically came in young, just like this, and then worked their way up the ladder uh, in the last two years to be in the dominant team in the Pac-12, you know, uh, you look at all their losses and they're basically losses to top 10 teams. You know, they're not out there dropping bad games. Um, you know, I, I do think they struggle a little bit with an offensive identity or at least offensive consistency. You know, that seems to plague uh, this team uh, throughout the season. But that'll come. I mean, you get they'll they'll get more confident. They'll you know somebody out of this group's going to emerge as the definitive uh, you know, and I don't I'm going to use quote but the you know the Sabrina of the group that's going to be, hey you know we're down three, give me the ball, I, I got this you know, and I, and I that'll come. Uh, it's just really hard to ask that of you know more than likely one of the true freshmen uh, or redshirt freshmen or even sophomores on this team right now. So th- they're going to get there. And again, are they losing games? Yep, they're losing games, no doubt about it. You know, they're 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 uh, you know they're not walking their way through the Pac-12, but hot damn, the Pac-12 is really good, and most of their losses are, you know, top ten or no worse, top fifteen, uh, you know, caliber teams. So you know, I think if you're Kelly Graves and this young team, uh, you're taking your lumps right now, but I think there's a a hell of a lot of lessons you're learning along the way. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned, hey, maybe we just came into the season with, with too high expectations. I, I think that's really accurate, and it, it's fair to say, of course we all have high expectations. You, you have the greatest women's college basketball player that I've ever seen, Sabrina Ionescu. You have a dominant big man who would have been in that greatest quote-unquote conversation if she didn't play with the greatest, Ruthie Hebert. You have a physical freak who the pros loved, Satu Sabali. She flew up draft boards because of her length. And you have a coach that not only brought them into the fold, but has gone out and and had other dominant recruiting classes and and huge influxes of talent year in, year out. I mean, we've talked before, Kelly Graves might be the best recruiter out of any coach at Oregon. Uh, Crystal Ball, Altman, anybody. All of those those successes, I think, set a very high expectation for the team this spring, and they're probably not going to meet it. Um, but, But that doesn't mean that they can't 
be fun. I think they've had some really close opportunities this year. You know, if, if if that Stanford game ends a little more positively or the first UCLA game, this is an Oregon team that could have really turned heads. And and I'll even say this, forget about the missed opportunities. They're still a top 25 team. We could still be talking about, as, as far-fetched as it seems now, a young team that, that clicks at the right time, we could be talking about a young Oregon team making the same kind of upset splash in the tournament that Sabrina and Ruthie made back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, there's tons of great pieces there. And, and again, you know, huge learning curve right now from, from, the, from the L's they're taking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all the pieces are there. This is, you know, I... I, I <laughs> really tough to say this but i mean you look at some of the pieces some of the young players this this has the makings to be at least at least you know on par with that with that team that just left you know now of course it's going to take a couple years it's not you know something that happens overnight but you know you start look at at some of the length and 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 some of the playmakers there and and pow pow way she handles the ball and 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 runs this offense is it really 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 good team it's just uh yeah, she's a gamer, and then they just they just need another year or two to bring this thing together. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and trust that Kelly Graves will get it done. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It, it might take a year, it might take a little bit more, but I I think they're going to be fun, especially with Tahina. I mean, she's she's a blast. If you haven't watched much women's hoops this year, watch an Oregon game and watch Tahina Pow Pow uh, from the islands, and she just there's. There's a, a fluency with the ball in her hands, like a Kyrie Irving almost. Her handles are nuts. Yeah, and she's fierce. You know, she ain't scared of anything, and I, I love that. I mean, that's the I think that's one of the qualities that made Sabrina so great, just having, you know, that, that absolute, uh, you know, competitive fire in the belly. And, she, and it's clear she has that, And uh, but she's also young. So, I mean, I, she's, she's going to get better, and... Uh, you know, Kelly Graves is going to put the pieces around her. And I, I, again, you know, this is going to be a good team. I just think we overshot our expectations a little bit for this year. I think they're holding their own. It's just, you know, you can see that, you know, these some of these other teams are a little more mature, a little, a little older, and you can see that it's, you know, it, it's hurting Oregon a little bit this year. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you want to spend a couple of minutes on the spring sports? Uh, I mean, there's not, mu- you know, I mean, there's not much. I mean, the yeah. s- softball, uh, what softball seven and zero, I believe right now or eight. No, yeah. yeah, they're, they're crushing it. Melissa Lombardi's just, you know, got the team running really well. And, uh, you know, I hope folks start to tune into softball more and more because I, you know, I, again, we don't know the future, but I suppose if there's a glimmer of hope for a sporting event that you might actually be able to attend in person, it might be these spring events, you know, it might be these spring sports, you know, I don't know that we're that close to getting, you know, back into the stands, but, you know, certainly feels like there's a, a possibility maybe towards the end of the season. So yeah. uh, hopefully, uh, you know, baseball hasn't had, hasn't really gotten going yet, but, uh, but they will. And uh, yeah, I know there's some track and field stuff too. And I'm, I'm sorry for the, the folks that do follow track and field. I mean, I, I think it's terrific. I just, I know I, I don't spend the amount of time there that 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 uh, that I should. Right. But uh, you know, track and fields off to a historic start as well. So yeah, fun fun time to be a duck for sure. Yeah, and and Oregon track, I think I'm not defending the fact that we're both kind of ignoramuses on, on that subject, but Oregon track and Oregon cross country are like Alabama football, Duke basketball. Yeah. They win every year, and yeah. and you expect them to win every year. It, it, we we know they're going to win. I think it's it's more exciting covering a sport like say softball, where they can be a really good team, but they're still seeking that title. They're still trying to climb the mountain. Or or right. duck basketball, where they get a team to a final four a couple of years ago, but we've seen them when they're good and we've seen them when they're bad. There's there's a, a range of outcomes. I feel like with the running sports. These guys are Olympians. These guys are, are national champions and world champions in some cases. The outcome is almost already decided. These are the best athletes on the planet. We, we know they're going to win. Yeah, the range of outcomes is, is first or second. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's about it. Yeah. So, 
but no. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know that we'll get going a little bit more. Uh, softball, you know, has more games under its belt than baseball does currently. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, along with other things, we'll start wrangling in a little bit more on, on softball and baseball as they kind of, kind of get, kind of get going a little bit more. Yeah. One, one thing I noticed was, uh, Haley Cruz made a, a mm-hmm. great highlight reel catch in center field the other day as they, uh, beat Fresno state and stay unbeaten. I've seen it argued a couple of times that when image and likeness is, is kosher, and these athletes can start making money off their brand. I've seen some people say, you know, Haley Cruz, watch out for her. Doesn't play football and and doesn't get the uh, national TV audience of like a Duke or a North Carolina basketball star, but she might make more cash than anybody. Yeah, she's branded herself really well. You know, her her social media presence is is incredibly strong and it's not just related to sports. You know, she's doing her little dances and stuff and all that and yeah, she just done it. She's done a remarkable job branding herself and and kind of, you know, making herself marketable. So, uh, you know, if she's successful in softball or whatever her other endeavors include down the road, you know, that's only going to add more, you know, power to report to her portfolio. And, uh, you know, as much as you, you know, these these athletes can make for playing professional basketball or football, you can make some darn good money if you can, you know, brand yourself really well on social media as well. And, you know, some of these influencers and stuff. So, she, yeah, she's definitely got a legit shot because uh, she's a name people know. You say the name Haley Cruz and, you know, they know that name outside of the Oregon circle. So, I mean, uh, you know, that, that speaks volumes to what she's done for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and what that staff at Oregon is doing, I, I think Melissa Lombardi is putting a lot of the questions behind her, a lot of the issues that that really, I think, unfairly were put on her, you know, with the Mike White, uh, departure and and uh, questioning, you know, Rob Mullins going out hiring the right person for the job. I, I think Coach Lombardi is answering some of those questions now. Oregon, a top ten team, unbeaten. I feel bad for the other side of the spring sports. You look at baseball and and Mark Wazikowski, they haven't played a game yet. Right. Yeah, I had a couple cancellations there, and and just haven't been able to get started, and and. Uh... Yeah, you know, I mean, the uh, the the COVID pandemic continues to 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 rob us of some of our joys, but I, they'll get out there, and uh, you know, they'll they'll get going, and and uh, you know, once again, we got you and I have a lot of podcasting left. We'll uh, you know, we'll be able to start talking about them once they get out there playing, and and once uh, you know, and, and ba- you know, softball has had to cancel, but a lot of their games have big you know been like big tournament weekend type things, you know, where you're playing, you know, three games in four days, so. You know, even though they've played seven or eight games, it's really only been like two weeks. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be able to cover that more as well. Certainly. Uh, he's Justin Hopkins. My name is Matt Bagley. We are Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi, and we try to get you a podcast every week, definitely every week during the season. Off-season gets a little silly sometimes, but we make our, de- we make our best. Um, you can listen to the pod on Scoop Duck, scoopduck.com. We also share it to Twitter every week. And we put it on just about every podca- podcast platform on the planet. So I use Apple Podcasts. It's there. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, etc. We're there. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Share the pod with a Duck fan friend. And thanks for listening. Go Ducks! Go Ducks!